Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Finding the right person for the job isn't easy. Just ask someone who hired a lounge singer to be their office receptionist. Hello, this is Mickey Marquis, and you've reached the office of Doug and Associates. <laughs> Thank you very much. Catch me Tuesday nights at the Hotel Johnson. Hello? But if you've got an insurance question, you can always count on your local GEICO agent. They can bundle your policies, which could save you hundreds. Doug and Associates, this is Mickey Marquis. Hello? For expert help with all your insurance needs, visit geico.com slash local today. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. This is the Cubs-related podcast presented by CubsInsider.com. My name is Corey. I am joined, as always, by Brendan, and we are coming to you on Sunday, January 12th. little day early this week. Uh, Unfortunately, it's not for a particularly exciting reason. I wish that it was. But just schedule-wise, this is how we're doing it. So you are hearing us on Monday, January 13th. Hope that your 2020 is off to a good start. Hope you are recovering from celebrating John Lester's birthday. I know it was a whirlwind week for all of us. And we are still in about the same spot. So there are some things to talk about. We did pass the arbitration uh, exchanging of figures and the Cubs settling with a bunch of guys. So we will take a look at that, where it leaves things as we head into what are now, Brendan, the final weeks of the offseason, really, as we are uh, not too far from pitchers and catchers reporting and, and spring training getting underway. So we will talk about that. That. We will talk about some interesting rumors that maybe turned out not to be rumors. It's sort of hard to tell. Uh, with Nolan Arenado, as the Cubs have been sort of loosely connected to him uh, over the last few weeks. And anything else going on in the Cubs universe as, again, we are uh, about a month away from spring training getting underway. We are just a few days now away from the annual Cubs convention. So we will cover it all. But Brendan, how are you? Corey, Anthony Rizzo gave us new Kevin Rizzo content this week. It looks as if Kevin is doing yoga with Tony. So good to see the duo getting more flexibility in and getting Tony ready for spring training. Speaking of spring training, this spring, follow the Cubs to Arizona for Cactus League spring training. Amazing weather and landscapes, exciting outdoor adventure, incredible food, Arizona is the perfect home for baseball fans. It's a -a one-of-a-kind spring training experience. There are 10 stadiums, 15 teams, and beautiful 75-degree temperature. All these stadiums are within 50 miles of one another, so you can go to multiple games in one day. 
Plus, there's so much to see and do nearby. Enjoy live music from local and national artists. Explore museums featuring everything from native heritage to modern art to musical instruments from all around the world. Plus, explore Arizona's beautiful outfield. You can go hiking, biking, go on Jeep tours, do hot air balloons, skydiving, jet skiing, whatever you want to do adventure-wise, Arizona has you covered. And the best thing about Arizona this time of year, it is the ultimate family-friendly environment. You can bring your kids to spring training. You can go to all these family-friendly resorts and hotels to offer plenty of fun for kids of all ages, from water parks to horseback riding to games and any activities. Plan your spring training getaway at visitarizona.com slash spring training. That is visitarizona.com slash spring training. Yeah, I it it's good to see you know we see Anthony Rizzo stretch so often. Uh, so it, I, I I don't know if we've seen him doing yoga before, but like we know Kyle Hendricks does, and you know Jake Arrieta was a big Pilates man. But good to see Anthony Rizzo uh, limbering up in the off season, getting himself ready for spring training. But yes, we were uh, very blessed with that Kevin content. Kevin is on the yoga mat using some sort of toy as a pillow, which is about as adorable as things can get. So that's your weekly (laughs) Kevin Rizzo update. Uh, But now, Brendan, I I think we can move to everybody's favorite segment. Let's talk about the Cubs payroll. Yeah. As I was doing that, I, I I, I was envisioning myself as Ben Wyatt saying that from Parks and Recreation because he would be really pumped uh, as someone with an accounting background to be talking about this all the time. Uh, Unfortunately, (laughs) we're not all Ben Wyatt from Parks and Recreation, and we don't like talking about the budget or payroll numbers or arbitration figures or really anything like that. But hey, welcome to the 10th straight episode of the Cubs-related podcast where that's all we have to talk about because the Cubs just don't really do anything at this point. But the Cubs do settle with several guys, and it leads to $42.6 million in guaranteed deals for the 2020 season. Those numbers are including $18.6 million for one Christopher Bryant, $10 million for Javi Baez, $7.01 for Kyle Schwarber, 4.5 for Wilson Contreras, $1.575 for Albert Almora Jr., and $975,000 for left-handed reliever Kyle Ryan. So I'm looking at this article uh, from the aforementioned CubsInsider.com, and those numbers pretty close to uh, what the general projections were. I think uh, Evan Altman from Cubs Insider saying that they were about 800000 over what the general projections were, uh, but other estimates, they Cubs saved a little bit of money, but in general, pretty close to what people would have expected for these numbers. Brendan, I I don't think anything really jumps out at this. I think obviously it's good, and we saw this, other teams not being so fortunate. I think the Dodgers were uh, amongst them to, you know, the Cubs settling with everybody. They they don't have Mm -hmm. hearings to go to. They don't have any seemingly animosity-driven, far-apart exchanging of numbers that they then have to go and deal with. They've got this dealt with, and especially for Chris Bryant's situation, as somehow we still wait for this grievance to be settled, which, a reminder that that is just such an absolute joke that this is taking so long for something that really isn't that complicated. But Alas, here we are, still waiting for this. Uh, remember, remember that wonderful time where that was supposed to be settled before the winter meeting, so that the like Cubs three could months ago, yeah, so that the Cubs could get on with their business. Or I don't know, any time in the last four years since this incident happened in the first place. But here we are. Uh, good that you know they're settled. He he's got that number for 2020, and at least that is out of the way. Regardless of whether 2020 happens to be the last year that he's under contract, it won't be. 
uh, or if he loses the grievance and there are two more. But other than that, I you know I think this is pretty standard operating procedure for arbitration. I think we've explained this before, uh, but if you're looking at some of these numbers and thinking $10 million for Javi Baez is extraordinarily cheap, like four and a half for Wilson Contreras, like what an amazing deal. Um, you know, again, like this is just sort of how the arbitration works. These guys come in on those, uh, you know, entry-level contracts. They get compared to other players at similar positions, at similar ages, performing in the same years, and the increases in the salary are limited. So obviously, Wilson Contreras was worth more than $4.5 million last year. He would make way more than that if he were on the open market, but the increases are all relative to players in the past and performances in the past, so there's usually limits on how far these numbers can extend, uh, though they do get increased over time. You know, you look at someone like Mookie Betts, who I believe just set a record uh, for the number that he is getting this year. Those are obviously uh, interesting and unique cases, but I don't know, Brennan, anything here jumping out for you or, or screaming for attention? All the projected arbitration salaries ended up being pretty close to the actual salaries. So where the Cubs are right now, with their 26-man opening day payroll, they have $183.5 million completely guaranteed. Now, you factor in the pre-R players, you factor in the 40-man guys, and you factor in the estimated player benefits right now. These are all estimated, but right now, they are projected to be $1.5 million over the luxury tax of $208 million. So again, that's an estimate. They're right at the line. Uh, the Cubs may need to make one more trade like Tyler Chatwood or maybe Jose Quintana to get underneath comfortably. But I think right now, they kind of accomplished their goal of at least being right by the luxury tax, even though that's not what you and I want to see. It's not what any fan wants to see, but they are in a comfortable position and in position if they want to, to actually get underneath it without, I think, dramatically affecting the team. So overall, this is what they projected out to do. They are accomplishing that, hopefully now with arbitration settled and hopefully with the grievance, which should be settled within the next week or two. Hopefully now the offseason will kick into gear just ahead of spring training and we'll get this season underway. Right. I, I mean, so still the, the biggest hurdle is that grievance because even, and we've discussed this when discussing this this problem before, whether the Cubs are intent to keep Chris Bryant, which they should, and extend him long term, or they are intent to move him, either way, you have to know whether he is a free agent at the end of this season, or if he is a free agent at the end of next season, that's a, a which, by the way, it's not like he's not going to win no. that grievance. You alluded to it, but it's 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 simple. The the matter is, Michael got injured. Whether that's the logic the Cubs used, that's the argument they one hundred percent will be using. He got injured. Chris Bryant got called up. That's the argument. You can't prove otherwise he's not going to win the grievance. I think it was, you know, from their point of view, something they had to do for the next CBA negotiations, but he's just not going to win it. It's just how this is how it's going to work. Right. Yeah, he he's he's not going to win it. I mean, it would be a fundamental change to the game of baseball and how these contracts and and things have been working if they were to make that decision. So that's just not not something that's going to happen. Uh but the one thing that I did want to point out about some of these numbers, because I know, uh, at least I think especially with Javi Baez, I think people look at some of these numbers and just how this offseason has played out and are wondering, are they going to talk extension with him? Have they talked extension with him? Where where are we on that whole thing? And him agreeing to, well, them coming to the arbitration number, I should say, doesn't yeah. preclude them from continuing those discussions. Obviously, if you were going to, you know, now you have 2020 at a locked-in number, so you can still talk about the extension, or you can look and add the extension to start next year. You know, you have the number locked in right now, and if you want to play with the luxury taxes, obviously it seems likely that that's what they're doing. Uh, you can 
work on that next year and hopefully the Cubs have more money I guess next year I don't really know I mean they have more money now but they're just choosing not to spend it so I guess I should say hopefully next year for the budget they have a bigger one and aren't trying to get under the luxury tax so you could look to have that extension start then whatever you want to do there's options but but nothing that happened with the arbitration necessarily precludes any of those talks from happening now continuing or being positive towards the future so if you're waiting on that it's still very possible uh i you know we we had heard that they were hoping to do that in december at the winter meetings that obviously did not happen but hopefully that is something that they are trying to do because even if they're moving players now trying to get under the tax now you know you still have to make some decisions for the future and and there are a lot of contracts that are unsure and and stuff that is not set in stone beyond a couple of years so at some point you're going to have to start making those decisions long term Javi would be a good place to start uh Anthony Rizzo Chris Bryant would also be wonderful places to start but you know hey I'm just thinking out loud here this story is called the ugly truth about timeshare if you think you've done your family a favor by buying a timeshare you need my help hello I'm Chuck McDowell CEO and founder of Wesley Financial Group Ten years ago, I started helping folks cancel their timeshare contracts, and in the process started what's now called the timeshare cancellation industry. Timeshare is the only thing that you can buy that you can't tell me how much it's going to cost or when it's going to end. When you buy a timeshare, you give them a blank check to fill out any amount they want for annual maintenance and assessment fees. Sound crazy? The crazy thing is, this never ends. Stop the insanity today. Call my office now. I guarantee if we can't cancel your timeshare contract, you'll pay nothing. Were you lied to when buying a timeshare and want out? Get the facts about timeshare cancellation. Call Wesley now for your free information kit. 800-885-4884. 800-885-4884. 800-885-4884. Yeah, I think what they're going to do with Javi is, and it depends how the logistics work out, but because they're already at the threshold, right, of $208 million. If they adjust the 2020 salary to include in the extension, then the annual average value of the complete contract will be directed at the 2020 payroll. So, for example, if he signs, you know, an extension for six years and the annual average value of that contract is $15 million, well, then if that includes 2020, then the average annual value goes up to $5 million extra from what he got with that $10 million arbitration. So I don't see that happening. I think if they sign the extension, it will actually start in 2021. That way you keep the 2020 payroll at that luxury tax threshold right now. But I, I, again, I think it's going to happen. I think Javi's going to sign that extension. It's just a matter of when. Hopefully we get that news, honestly, before this convention starts. We need something good to talk about, Corey, something positive, because going into this convention, it's like nothing but bad breasts from the TV deal, from the Ricketts opting out of their panel, from everything going on. It just seems so negative right now. Yeah, it it definitely does. And we've talked about that general concept. And I, and I, 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 I do want to, because it was one of the things that we wanted to touch on, but I do, I do want to talk about the Ricketts not doing their family panel again for the second year. Uh, last year was the first time that they hadn't done it since they've been the owners of the team. And they said it was because people thought it was boring that, that you know, they do surveys yeah. and stuff uh, and people thought it was boring. And I've never been to CubsCon. I, I don't know if you've been, but you certainly haven't recently, right? No, I've never been. Okay, so uh, we have never been to CubsCon, so we are speaking somewhat out of turn here, but uh, as opposed to what we can see on the webcasts and stuff like that. But maybe it was boring. I I, I don't know. Um, but he's I, the owner of the team. Right, dude. I, I he's think the owner that, of the team. I think that it's it's pretty clear that both of our stances is that they should be doing that press conference. And yeah. we have said every time that we talk about these money issues that it, it should start with the caveat that they have a lot of money as a family. I'm not looking at their their books, right? But their family's worth a lot of money. They have the money to spend and make this team better, right? And they have done a lot for Wrigleyville. They've done a lot for the Cubs. Uh, but I don't remember anybody 
asking for all of the stuff, right, around – if you told me, hey, let's build one less apartment complex or restaurant and maybe invest that into the team, right? Like nobody asked for this balance, right? Like I think all of the Cubs fans, including people that live in Lakeview, and I have lived in Lakeview for a, a lot of this, you know, last few years, like, yeah, I, I like what they've done with the neighborhood, but it should go to the team first, like take care of that first and then build whatever you want and make whatever extra money you want. But like, I don't really want to hear like, well, we renovated the ballpark and the area. So some years, you know, it's like, well, <laughs> you know, like no, that's not what anybody asked for. But getting back, so again, it, it always starts with the caveat that they have a lot of money. They should not be worrying about the luxury tax. It's a joke that they're penny pinching and and worrying about these numbers. I don't want to hear any argument to the contrary, right? That said, it's business. It's a capitalist society. So that's just what they're going to do. They're allowed to do it. But in keeping with that, you should face the people who are patrons of your organization. And so many of the people at CubsCon are the most diehard of those patrons and the most devoted of those patrons. Season ticket holders, people who have been paying for Cubs gear and tickets and stuff for decades, right? Generations. And to not have the uh, courage, I think is the best word, to explain to them what you're doing is, I mean, I got, I got to say it, it, it's cowardly, right? Do the panel, you cowards. Like, the, it's, it's ridiculous. <laughs> and part of the reason I say that is not so that they can go up there and have people yell at them or tell them they suck or tell them they're being cheap and stuff like that. It's so, if you are doing something, explain it to everybody. If you are getting under the luxury tax because you believe the roster hasn't been good enough the last few years, you want to reset, you don't want to deal with the penalties, you want, you know, the organization needs to think of the future, whatever, however you want to justify that, right? Tell, tell the people, tell us, and at least have the courage to explain that to everybody face-to-face and and if people don't agree, which we don't, right? You guys have plenty of money. Like, this stuff is a joke. Just make the team better, okay? But at least have the courage to explain that to everybody and say, look, this is why we're doing this. It's a business decision. This is our long-term vision. Take it or leave it. But we're telling you what it is. But to— What's what's worse press, though? Like, what if, what if Tom did say that, right? So I'm trying to think, you know— you, you balance the issues at hand here. So he goes up there and he says, we are cutting payroll. We want to save potentially 70 to 80 million and do so in the best interest of the team. Is that worse than not doing it whatsoever? And it, it's probably a lose-lose situation from his end. But I think from his perspective, he thinks, the Ricketts think, that if he goes up there and does this you know, Q&A or whatever... He's going to get more bad press for doing that. Doesn't doesn't make it better or anything, but I can see a situation where him doing this ends up being worse for PR. And right now, the Cubs need to mitigate some of those PR issues. But I, I get, I'm with you. I think it's well, I think it is cowardly. Yeah, I, I and and you know, part of that though is like I think there's also I, I get what you're saying, but. This, this is going to come out one way or another, right? Whether it's said directly or it just is a result of what the team does or doesn't do in the offseason, yeah. you, you can't hide what you're doing, right? So I, will, I, I will think say, that it's though, better to just explain it to everybody. Yeah, well, I, I don't think a lot—I mean, a, a lot of our listeners are, of course, in tune with this, but I would imagine the general fan base of, of any team— doesn't go and delve into these, Perhaps. you know, pennies, right? So if Ricketts goes out there, I mean, you have people, Corey, who are going to Cubs convention for, you know, just the joy of the Cubs. Yeah. They don't really necessarily care about the money. So if they go up there and they see Tom Ricketts saying to them, we're cutting payroll, that that might be news to some of these fans. Sure. So I think it does potentially cause more of a PR problem than 
not doing it whatsoever. And I'm not advocating for him not to do that. I want Tom to go up there and face the critics and give You're us just a better You're just explaining why he might be thinking that. Yeah. yeah. And, and again, the, the PR around this team right now has been so bad, right? So I, I've always operated under the mindset that you want to mitigate, you want to attenuate anything that is going to make things worse. And I, I, have, I have the idea that if he does this, it would make things worse. It doesn't make it right, but it, I think it has potential to make things worse. I, perhaps, yeah. I, 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 and and again, I know you're not advocating for that, but no. I, I, mean, I want Tom to go up there and talk about this too. It's just, right. yeah. I, my thing, and and I've said this a lot, is that they, Tom, Theo, both of them together, they have chosen very particular language over the last few years, and I don't have them in front of me. I could grab them, but I, I get the season ticket holder letter like in the mail from Tom at I think the end of every season and maybe in the the package when the tickets come or whatever and I know a a lot of people on the mailing list get similar letters they email similar letters to everybody on cubs.com all of those letters always always include language like we are going to do whatever we can to give you the best product on and off the field we are committed to making this a winning team and winning more World Series and being a premier organization in this league, whatever, you know, I'm paraphrasing, but it's always similar Mm. language to that. So from my perspective, right, get on stage and explain what you're doing. Because you have, if you are cutting payroll and you are getting under the luxury tax and you are going to make Theo trade one of the best players to ever button up a Cubs uniform, for these ends, to save money, or because you don't want to spend $40 million, $30 million to clean up some of the cracks on this team to make them a surefire bet in the NL Central, which is really all it would take, maybe even less than that, right, to to shore up some cracks on this team. You have been lying to everybody. You have been lying to everybody in your language. None of that means anything anymore, and you're a coward, for not talking to everybody. It's it's that simple. That's that's yeah. how I see this. And you cannot call yourself, which Tom has, the most accessible owner in baseball and gallivant around when you do win the World Series and things are going great and then just disappear when you decide not to live up to that same standard and live up to your word. And again, like... I, the Ricketts have done a lot for this organization. Like the Cubs have had some bad owners. They spent a lot of money to build this and and win a championship and redo the area. So like it it's it's not all like a zero. I don't I don't want it to come off that way. But since they've owned the team, they they owned the team before 2015, right? They weren't spending in those years either, and we all agreed to it because it was the plan. We all agreed to the plan. It made sense, right? But now this is two years in a row, right, where you're not spending to the, the absolute limits or doing the things that you have to do to make this team a surefire championship contender, to fix obvious holes, to improve upon areas of need, etc. So, like, you're, you're just adding up years where it's like, okay, well, yeah. you know, now you're really adding to the pile of years where you're not spending that much money. So... Either get up and explain what it is that you're doing so that at least we can have an understanding of what's going on and we can maybe have an honest discussion about it, or don't send me a letter in the mail that says, hey, thanks for spending thousands of dollars on this team. We're going to do everything we can. We promise to win another championship and and be the, you know, give back to the best fans in baseball because that's not what they're doing right now, Brendan. Like that is not what's happening in the 2020 offseason. And like, and and we're we're getting deep in the weeds here, right? Which is not necessarily what my intention was, but like, I'm gonna feel like a real idiot, Brendan, if I paid for those season tickets and then they trade Chris Bryant and I'm going and watching, you know, an 80 win team that they didn't invest anything into and are actively trading pieces from, like a real idiot. 
And yeah. so I, th- so that's why I get so heated about it, where it's like, at the very least, you could do me the privilege of spending five minutes at CubsCon saying, hey, guys, wanted to address some of the concerns. Here's what my vision is. Here's what I'm thinking. I understand the concern. I understand the panic. Here, Here's where I am from my perspective. And e- yeah. even if it was empty platitudes and you know, similar language to those letters I'm talking about. Like, even if it was stuff like that, just talk to me, right? Because otherwise, I'm just going to think that, you know, this is all meaningless. And you're just, you know, and it just it just sucks is really what it comes down to. And to feel like they are shying away from the people who do know what's going on and who are paying attention, it, it just, it, it's, it stinks. It, it, it makes you feel like an idiot, you know, and like you've been taken advantage of to a degree. Um, so that's, that's where I am. Apparently, I have a really strong opinion about that. <laughs> I was not expecting that. But I think one of the reasons we liked, you know, in 2013, 2014, 2015, we, we understood the issues and we understood not just the issues, but the plan they were employing to get beyond those issues. They were building a farm system. They were investing money in other areas, like the Dominican facility, their infrastructure. Everything made sense, and it seemed like the plan was coherent from the business side of things, from the ownership, and from the baseball operations staff. It doesn't seem like that now. Like ever since twenty, the end of twenty seventeen, I feel like the PR has been an absolute nightmare. There's been no coherent plan, and when Theo was talking about at the end of twenty eighteen, you know, a sense of urgency, yada yada yada, we had an idea a little bit of what that actually meant. But Corey, they made no changes to the roster going into twenty nineteen, and then when he went out of the twenty nineteen season by saying probably the player personnel will be changed. He used those words exactly. Corey, there has been zero changes to the roster. Right. So that's that's where this is so confusing to me because in 2012, 2013, 2014, and from transitioning to 2015 to the World Series year, Theo and everyone else made it clear, we are going to do X, Y, and Z in order to accomplish this specific goal. And in 2016, those goals were improving contact rate, getting more veterans inside the clubhouse. That translated to signing Ben Zobers to signing Jason Hayward. And that made complete sense. They were not even surprise signings because that's what Theo told us he was going to do. In the last three years, it's been anything but that. We, we have no idea what to expect. I, I think that's why we're so shocked that they're even going underneath the luxury tax this year. I'm shocked. I, you know, three months ago, I said I expected them to spend around $240 million just like they did last year because the roster seems still so competitive and still so flexible to improvements. And they're not doing that. So, yeah, at the very least, and it is cowardly. At the very least, try to find a way to explain this. Try to try to communicate this so it makes sense to everyone at hand. But they're not doing that. They're not doing that because they fear they don't have the capability or they fear they're not going to get the questions that are necessary to effectively communicate that. And that's bad. Well, that is and- just that's, – that's incompetence, Corey. That suggests incompetence to me, and I hate that. Yeah, and, and also, like, just to your earlier point, especially about CubsCon, like – Part of what makes it like so, I, I think, uh, annoying that they that they won't do this panel anymore is, like you said, like there are a lot of people there that might not ask anything about this, right? And again, <laughs> yeah, that that yeah. that's not wrong. It's not it, it's not wrong if you're a fan that doesn't care about the payroll and you, you just see what happens. I, I'm not I'm not concerned about that at all. I'm not criticizing that at all. I'm just saying like. They're 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 shying away from a panel that it's not a guarantee that the people are going to ask questions like that. There might be people that walk up and say, "Hey, I was wondering if there's any plans for new food at Wrigley Field, right?" And there's nothing wrong with that. But you're not even giving anybody the opportunity, right, 
justifying because you you say that people think the panel is boring, but I think most people assume it's because you don't want to run the risk that there are, you know, payroll questions and things like that. But you're, you're shying away from even letting people go up and say, hey, just wanted to thank you guys again for, you know, the 2016 World right. Series, right? Like you're just shying away from all of it out of the fear of it. And again, like the most frustrating part about all of this is that last year and this year, last year was obviously different because they they did spend money in general. They just didn't spend more to fix obvious problems with the team. But the the last two years, like what is the most frustrating about this, and you alluded to this, Brendan, is that this is a competitive roster. The top-level talent on this roster is really good and competitive with pretty much any team in the league. And even right now, you know, what did you say? They they were uh, close to two million over the the tax right yeah, now. About two million. Yeah. So so it's close, right? It's 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 very close to that number. Like, it, it, you're you're not talking about that much change that you would really need to bring in to feel a little bit better about this team, right? Like, I, I don't think anybody was sitting here saying like oh, they need to sign Garrett Cole or blow it all up and just rebuild again, right? Like, I think anybody's just saying, like, maybe a better bench than Daniel Descalso and Albert Almora, maybe one more quality reliever rather than just signing a bunch of reclamation projects and guys with options and things like that. Like, maybe just cleaning up a, a few things here and we would feel comfortable about it. But instead, you have a situation where you can actively see, and not that they are just going to be content not being competitive, but we've read about this. Like, the Cincinnati Reds are spending so much on free agents and, and trying to get their situation better right now because they smell blood in the water. They can see, like anybody else, that this division is up for grabs. Nobody is making those moves that say, good luck taking this division from us. Not one team. The, and, and so it's, it's incredibly frustrating when you have a core of Chris Bryant, Javi Baez, Anthony Rizzo. You had Darvish perform the way that he did. Kyle Hendricks, right? You've got these guys at, at, at good points in their careers, and you're talking about cutting payroll and and trading some of them to plan for the future. It's like, well, the the team can win now, (laughs) you know, like the team can win now. They really clearly can win now. But if you never improve anything, I I, I just don't see it. And and like you mentioned, Brendan, it, it gets very hard to reconcile some of it because again, you know, we go back to like in this, I think it was last season's postseason post-mortem, where Theo said, you know, sometimes we bet on these guys for too long. You you commit to your core and some of these young players, and, and you, you, you gamble on them for too long before you eventually move on, and you've wasted time, right? They, they haven't changed anything. The only player that's gone is Addison Russell, right? Like, all these other guys are, are, are still there. So as it stands right now, Theo's betting on them again, which is, he just said that that was maybe a bad idea, right? And it goes back to the offseason before, where he said the offense was broken, and we need major change, and yada yada, and nothing changed. So it's, it's again, and it's similar to what I was saying about Ricketts and, and the, the letters and emails that he sends to everybody, where it's like, guys, at some point, you need to stop putting out messaging that is just not what you're doing. Like, I don't need, I don't expect them to be an open book and 100% forthright in everything that they're saying and everything that comes out at a press conference is treated as gospel. But you guys are saying stuff that you're just not backing up year after year, you know? And so it's like, I'm not, I'm not expecting anybody to come out and say, hey, we're not going to spend any money. The team's going to be the same. Get over it, right? Like, that's not what I'm asking for. Yeah. But it's just such harsh language, either positively or negatively, right, about the team and the future and stuff like that, that, you know, six months later, you're like, so was this just <laughs> nothing? Like, what was the point of even saying this, right? I have one other, like, pet peeve with this. It's not even related to the actual roster, but... A lot of people have asked us, Corey, like, hey, what's the deal with this TV situation? 
I'm in LA, you're in LA right now. Like I'm not in tune specifically to what's going on, but you know who is in tune to this? The owner. So when you have all these issues right now with the TV deal and the marquee sports network about maybe not having everyone be able to watch it within the Chicago local area, go and talk about it, man. Like I don't even care about the roster at that point. If you have like people genuinely worrying about their ability to watch your product, your team, go and talk about the issues at hand there. Because if anything is so weird right now around this team, it is that for the past decade, I feel like we've listened to this looming TV deal, how it's going to be so dramatic, how all the money we're going to get into that deal is going straight to the team. Uh, It's 2020, and they're cutting payroll, and maybe fans can't watch the Cubs right now. What is going on with that, Tom? And I feel like, if anything, give the fans the service to hear what's going on. Don't shy away from that. It's causing more bad PR, and I get if you go up there on stage, it may enhance that bad PR, but come on, man. Like, show some competence. Show you're you're basically like the CEO of this company, right? Like, aren't you supposed to be the best communicator at this? Come on. Like, be better than that. That's, that's a complete cop-out. If you can't communicate to fans what the issues are at hand, why we're seeing some of these things going on, maybe you're just not that good. You're, come on, like, be better. Keep all your entertainment options centered with Xfinity X1. Access live TV, Netflix, and now Hulu and Peacock. Ah, streaming zen. Now that's simple, easy, awesome. Xfinity X1 gives you the most complete entertainment experience with everything from live TV to your DVR to on-demand favorites and your streaming apps. Just use your voice remote to easily find what you want to watch. Go online or call 1-800-XFINITY today to learn more. Restrictions apply. Netflix, Hulu, and Peacock memberships required. Yeah, absolutely. I I, I agree with all that. And I I think I've said this before. uh, It's always hard to get a sense because I I think that obviously we run in circles, you know, you and I talking to each other, blogging, even just on Cubs Twitter. Like, I think those are skewed they skew your vision a little bit, right? Because not not every fan is on Twitter. Not every fan pays attention to this. Not every fan cares, right? Like they show up at the ballpark, they want to watch the boys, and it is what it is. They they don't and care, fine. right? I mean, and that's totally fine, fan, yeah, right? They're going to fan however they want to fan. But what I'm what I'm getting at is I I I I think that in their calculations, right? Whether it's Tom, whether it's Crane Kenny, whether whoever is is calculating these things from the business side. I think they're they're playing a dangerous game with how they're doing things. And I, I say that because I, I think that a lot of really hardcore fans are getting restless and have been restless. And I think that a lot of people, and I know a lot of people like this, got what they wanted in 2016. Obviously, we all got what we wanted. But what I mean is, I was there for most of that season. And I knew so many people, so many of my friends that were there every night, right? They would text me, are you going to the game tonight? Do you have anybody going to the game with you? Like people dying to go to every game of that season, because that that was the run, right? You needed to be there. Mm-hmm. And so many of those people now are like, eh, you know, I'll watch at home, right? Like, nah, I haven't, you know, I actually haven't been this month. Like, I, you know, it's just not my priority spending-wise right now. Like, I still watch him, still a Cubs fan, of course. That'll never change. But that I'm going to take a second mortgage on my house to watch the Cubs win the World Series kind of attitude, I just don't think is there for a lot and of people. And then you're going to make it more difficult to watch the Cubs on TV. Right. Right, right. Like, so I think this is dangerous. Again, like I'm not saying people are gonna say, "Oh, I'm not a Cubs fan anymore." That that, that's not what I mean. But I just mean like 2015, 2016, when when you're building up to that first World Series in a long time, and we're all on the same page, right? Like the stuff Tom was saying and had said, it's all coming to fruition, right? Everybody's on the same page, and there was just I think an attitude of like, I'm gonna buy every piece of Cubs merch for these playoff runs and, you know, into the World Series. I'm going to go to every game I possibly can. I'm going to go to every event. I'm going to watch every interview. 
everything because this is it. This is the one we've been waiting for, right? Like, well, that came and went. And I, all I care about is the Cubs winning more World Series. So again, I, I don't mean it to say that like people don't care or they're like whatever, blasé about it now. But there's just a difference. And when you have come past that point, and now you're heading into a point where like, you know, there there's like legitimate rumors that they're going to trade Chris Bryant and they're saying we don't have any money and this, that, and the other. I think you're, re- and like you said, Brendan, you're making it more difficult for people to watch. You're making it potentially more expensive for people to watch. Obviously, the games yeah. continue themselves to get more expensive. Like you and I don't have families, Brendan, but I, I can't even imagine how I would like budget for that right? Like taking a family of four to a game at Wrigley Field where a, you know, a soda is $9 or whatever it is. Hot dog is $7. It's, it's a lot, right? And so I think you're just, they're, they're playing a dangerous game to me with just assuming that that ballpark is always going to be full and that people are going to buy the marquee network no matter what. And people are just going to keep eating what they're fed. And I'm not, I'm not like predicting some, mass exodus or anything drastic like that but it it feels like they just assume they can put whatever team out there they can do whatever they want with the network from the business perspective all that other stuff and it's just going to work no matter what and I, I i don't know man you talk to a lot of people that are like really kind of annoyed and definitely aren't making spending their money on the Cubs as much of a priority as they have in the past. I think that's undeniable to me and the people that I go to games with, that I see at games, that I interact with on this level, that the enthusiasm and the just like, well, yeah, that's what it is. It just is not as strong at at this current moment. And, and if we felt like they were committing to this roster, right, and putting that best foot forward, I don't think that that would be the case. And so that's what's so that's what's so weird about it. And and, and you know you can get into the the deeper weeds like with the network. Like it, it it's concerning to me, Brendan. Like I, I'm not a businessman. I never would claim to be. But it seems weird to me. Correct me if I'm wrong. To plan for years to launch your own network, your standalone network, because there's such an interest in the Chicago Cubs. It seems weird to me to plan that for years and years and and take a look at what other teams like the Red Sox and the Yankees and the Dodgers and how those experiences have gone. And your plan all along, if I'm having, if I'm reading this right, was to launch the network coming off of a year where you finished in third place, missed the playoffs, and are apparently cutting payroll because your billionaire owners don't want to spend any more money that was the plan, Brendan? That seems yeah. like an interesting plan and timing to launch your standalone network that you need people to, like, I think, call their cable provider to add to their package or figure out how to get online, which I don't think they have figured out at the moment. It's just like one of those things where it, like, concerns you a little bit. I, I think as a fan, you're like, this was your plan? This it, this seems like the worst time, right? Like in the last five years to launch this network, the absolute worst time to do this. The PR, the, the place of the, the, the team, they're, they're not a playoff team at the moment. Their PR, their PR issues are like self-inflicted, dude. That's, it goes back again. I always bring this up. I, I may seem like a little psycho about this, but I do think it matters when you have this disconnect between the front office and ownership. It does swirl up into these issues that are persistent. I mean, Corey, going into 2019 last year, Rickett said, "Quote: We don't have any more money. <laughs> you can, you're a billionaire. You cannot tell fans that you as a billionaire have no more money. That's like borderline offensive to people. You've got to communicate that better. You're a bad communicator if you say something like that, whether or not your intent is to say, hey, we have no money, or your intent to say as an organization, we're limited. 
it's interpreted differently by so many different people. Be more specific. Don't be ambiguous. And same thing for Theo and Jed over the last year and a half. Don't be ambiguous. Don't be sensational. Keep the product, keep the focus on the field. And they have failed to do that. So when you factor in those communication issues and you factor in what you're just discussing, the fact that they've timed this TV deal poorly, they've timed the TV deal poorly with the team on the field and all these PR issues at hand, how they handled Addison Russell was a complete and total disaster. You do question, are they capable, are they competent to transition this Cubs franchise to the next step? My confidence is, is lowering by, by the day, Corey. I, I really think that. It's not to say I don't think the Cubs can be good in 2020 or they can be sustainable for the next decade. I, I'm not saying that. I'm just, my confidence is slowly dwindling when you see these communication issues and you see some of the disconnect between everyone I have from the business side to the ownership to the front office. You do question what the hell is actually going on. Are they on the same page? Are they just not properly planning? Have they considered some of the extremes in the negative way? And I don't know. I really don't know. I do think, you know what would make us help understand the situation? Go on the damn stage and talk about it. Bringing it full circle. Fun convo. Um, I did not expect uh, this. Yeah, I really no, I, I, I didn't either. But this is, yeah, I mean, this, this is where things is. are, man. I mean, some of this stuff is, is, is a joke. I mean, it's just a joke. I mean, that's, that's really all it is. Like, but I, I do want to talk uh, in these last few minutes here about one of the rumors that's been going around, and I. Again, like part of this was a miscommunication. Bruce Levine was on the radio yesterday. It led to some miscommunication. So we're not going to talk about that because it wasn't an actual rumor. Um, But the Cubs have been connected to Nolan Arenado a few times. A few different uh, writers and reporters have discussed the Cubs checking in on Nolan Arenado. And the Cardinals also supposedly really checking in on Nolan Arenado. So perhaps the Cubs' interest is just to drive the price up for the Cardinals or any other team looking to acquire him. I don't know. But basically, I think this is a situation where if the Cubs did indeed check in on him, it is important to figure out what their intention might be, right? Because I think, and the rumor yesterday, again, that was not a rumor, so this doesn't appear to be a thing that's like actually possible, was the possibility of the Cubs acquiring Nolan Arenado and keeping Chris Bryant and just going for it, right? Uh, So, you know, obviously that'd be great. Uh, I I think that goes without saying. It would be a a strange path to getting there because if all of a sudden they decided, hey, you know, we're just, you know, going to go over the luxury tax, like what were they waiting for all this time, I guess? I mean, maybe the grievance, it's hard to know. I don't know. But that seems tricky, right? Like, I'm I'm just not, I'm not sure how you would get there. It seems to fly in the face of everything that we've been hearing for it's counterproductive now. to what they've been doing. Right. Is If they were to look at Nolan Arenado as a replacement for if they traded Chris Bryant, you know, or something like that, I don't know. So basically, Nolan's on a seven-year, $260 million uh, contract that ends, I believe, in 2025. So he it's expensive. So when you're talking about trading for somebody that has a contract that expensive, you have to remember like when you're talking about a Chris Bryant package or a potential Mookie Betts package, they are not on huge deals like this. To add to that too, by the way, Arnado can opt out after 2021. Okay, so it's, good to know. Yeah, it's yeah. a long contract, but there is a possibility that come 2022, he may be on a different team. Right. So, but it, I, I'm just noting the difference that when you're talking about Mookie or Chris Bryant, their contracts are coming up and you know, they, they've been in arbitration, not Mookie, obviously, like setting records. So he is getting a ton of money. But someone like KB not getting as much money as he would on the open market. So if someone were to acquire him, the Cubs can ask for a bigger package than perhaps Arenado will get because he's not controlled as long. You're not taking on this huge contract that you then have to budget for. So important to keep in mind. But 
What's been bantied around, I think, is could the Cubs pursue him? Could they include someone like Wilson Contreras and maybe get the Rockies to take some money to make this all work? It would be very complicated, but Arenado is uh, an excellent player. Uh, I don't think he's better than Chris Bryant, but that, just in a general sense, Brendan, regardless of how practical it is or what it would exactly take to get there, I obviously prefer the scenario where if they have to trade Chris Bryant, which again, they should not, they have a replacement for him and someone else that is a top of the league third baseman rather than just trading him to clear payroll and, you know, be done with this. Is it possible to do that and still clear payroll and move things around if you move enough people? Probably right? But you're talking about a lot of moving parts. And I think what's been, and and we've mentioned this, Brendan, like how they've been in this middle area, right? Where they're not making the team better, but they're also not doing anything that's cutting payroll really and and getting them towards some clearer future, right? So the, the, the hard thing for me to envision is like, okay, say this grievance gets settled on, you know, Monday when you guys are listening to this. Like, it, it's not that easy to pull all those strings, right? Like maybe Theo's got this stuff lined up, ready to go. Like he's just got to make the phone calls once the grievance comes in now that the ARB figures are settled and stuff like that. But it just seems like a lot of moving parts to say, okay, we're going to do nothing all off season. But then as soon as this grievance come in, boom, we've got, you know, three trades ready to go. Like th- there's just it just seems hard to believe and hard to fathom like how that could work because you know even if you're talking about Arenado like the Cardinals are connected to him too if they make a better offer right like well then there goes that plan right so it just is hard to envision like how all of this works together I I guess if that makes sense and and I I don't know if this was a super fleshed out thought on my part so I apologize if it wasn't but it it just uh, look baseline I'm interested in Nolan Arnada, right? I'd rather have Chris Bryant, but I'm I'm into good players be, being on the Cubs. Uh, but as far as if it's going to happen or if it's possible or practical, just seems like a lot of moving parts, and you're really relying on plans to stay in place and and other teams accepting what you're offering and helping you. You need help to move pieces, right? And to move players around and you can't always just rely on that it, it's it's not a concrete thing so i i guess i, I don't know is is my stance I know, on this I, look, I, I, I desperately I, hope my last thought is i you can't <laughs> let him go to the cardinals that that's what you can't do so in that that's my thinking with this is the cardinals are clearly trying to improve uh they just acquired libertor for jose martinez a weird deal uh but they can, in theory, they have the pieces in place to trade for Nolan Arenado, which you know scares the hell out of me. And from the Cubs' point of view, maybe this is a ploy for them to drive up the asking price, or maybe the one thing that would change the Cubs' plans in 2020 to go over the luxury tax would be an addition like Arenado. Maybe that's the only scenario where Ricketts is like, okay, you know what? I see what they're doing here. I'll allow this to happen. Maybe that's it. I don't think that's actually going to be the case, but maybe that is an option. Or something that seems a little bit more within tune of their plans is, okay, you can trade for Arenado, but then you're going to use Wilson Contreras and prospects to get Arenado, and then you're going to go out and trade KB for a haul of prospects and you keep the luxury tax payroll somewhere in the general area while improving your farm system. But the two counterpoints to that is, okay, if you trade away Wilson Contreras, are you really going to bet that KB and Contreras is worse than Vic and Arenado? I, I don't see that being a good argument. I think all of us would take Wilson and KB over Arenado and Vic. No offense to Vic or anything, but I think that's just to projections. And I get you're going to get a better farm system, you know, as a result of the KB deal. But another counterpoint to that is, can you line all of these things up, which 
the season starts in three weeks, basically. You're going to have guys reporting to the spring training facilities in the beginning of February. People want to know where they are. A lot of the, the final, you know, things are being cleaned up for teams. It seems at this point such an extreme possibility to the point that it's not real. To trade KB, to acquire Arenado, to trade away Wilson, to get everything in line within a month, to me, sounds unfeasible. Maybe it could happen. I'm not saying it's not possible, but I think the the reality is a lot of these reports are coming out. I think because the Cardinals are serious about Arenado. The Cubs recognize that. And a way to kind of make this a little bit more difficult is to drive the asking price. And that might be what they're doing. I just would be shocked if their if their intention with this Arenado chatter is genuine. I just don't see it working out within their plan of this offseason. Very clearly, they have made it a priority to get underneath the luxury tax. If they trade for Arenado and they keep KB, that goes against everything we've seen so far for three months. And it does make me question even more, what the hell are we doing here? Because you could have signed, if you're going to go over the luxury tax, you could have gone out and signed a few bench bats to make this roster more complete. And they have not done that. So I think at the end of the day, they're they're not going to get Arenado and keep KB. If they get Arenado, which I think is a long shot, KB's gone. And I think that's a long shot just because where we're at in the offseason, it's too late. And if it happens, it happens, but I would not bet for it. Yeah, I mean, not to not to be super pessimistic, but it, it just is hard to read anything as, like, that's a good rumor or, or would be, like, a potentially, like, good ending to this offseason as anything but very confusing because it, it just right. is one of those things, like you just said, like, well, what, what was the delay? Like, like Tom saw how angry everybody was and, and in mid-January was like, you know what, Theo— all right, here's the checkbook. I changed my mind. Like that doesn't really make a lot of sense uh, and would be super unhelpful. <laughs> like, okay, thanks for this like three months later. Uh, it, so it's just like when you read something like that, you're just like, okay, well then what were they doing all this time? Like clearly there is some mandate that the, the payroll is important. Uh, is it specifically to get under the luxury tax? I, you know, who knows, right? But clearly the pocketbook is not being opened infinitely. So I think, you know, reading a rumor like that, I definitely let myself get drawn in by it for an hour or so, right? Dreaming of the potential lineup with Arenado and Chris Bryant and Rizzo and Baez, et cetera. But you you had to be cautious right away because you're just like, okay, like this flies in the face of everything that they've said and done this entire off season. So I'm not really sure why all of a sudden this would make sense. Uh, and even if it did, it would be like, okay, well, y- could you have signed like a quality reliever three months ago to like compliment all this? I don't know. Anyway, uh, here we are, uh, winding down another really fun, super fun podcast. Uh, really great talking about this team right now, but that's where they are guys. So that's kind of what it is. Will we see any semblance of a positive PR move heading into CubsCon to placate the masses, give us something to be happy about, uh, even if just for a day? I don't know. Uh, Extensions are still possible. Nicholas Castellanos is still available. Anthony Rizzo's doing his best. Uh, We've gotten a pretty high quantity of Kevin Rizzo content just in the last, like, two weeks, week or so. So he's trying, but, you know, Kevin Rizzo can't solve all our problems as much as I, you know, wish he could and and believe that he has the strength as a dog to do it. But uh, unfortunately, I don't know if that'll translate to performance on the field. So, We'll just have to see. Uh, hopefully, I mean, seriously, I, hopefully that grievance gets solved soon and so that at the very least we can, you know, just move on because I, I feel like we're in this weird, um, you know, this this weird middle ground, which I, I think is, is somehow worse. Like, I, I don't want them to cut payroll. I don't want them to move some of these guys. But the the worry of it and just this like looming possibility is somehow worse, right? Because it, it sort of feels inevitable and you have to hear about it over and over and over again. And it, you know, at some point you're just like, if, if this is going to happen, just rip the Band-Aid off and do this so that we can move forward and proceed with 
the future. Um, so ho- hopefully all of this gets resolved soon. Hopefully Chris Bryant is a Cub for life, and I, I think that's what I've got. But uh, if you are attending CubsCon, have a good time. If you see Tom Ricketts, I, you know, I don't recommend screaming at him or spitting on him or anything like that. You'll probably get kicked out. You might get banned from Wrigley Field. Uh, so, you know, be careful if you have criticism for him. Perhaps find a, a you know, a, a good way to get that across uh, that, that, you know, doesn't get you banned from CubsCon or whatever. Uh, or don't. You know, what do I care? Uh, but have a good time. Uh, I will be in Chicago uh, at some of the events, the bar gatherings with with people from social media and stuff, uh, I think on Friday and Saturday. So if you will be around, so will I. Come say hi. Uh, Always appreciate, you know, when anybody that listens to the podcast comes and says hello, we can share a beer, etc. But otherwise, I think that is what we have for you. And we will talk to you again next week, unless something pressing happens. Uh, That has not happened in quite some time, Brendan, so I'm not sure when that'll ever happen again, but hopefully it does at some point. Uh, We will jump on if we have to, and again, we are only about a month away from spring training and pitchers and catchers and all of that restarting again, so I suppose enjoy these last few weeks of the offseason before Regardless of the roster that's out there, we are uh, ready to root for the Cubs once again. So as always, thank you guys for listening to the Cubs-related podcast. We will talk to you soon. And whether we are venting for the millionth time about the payroll and CubsCon panels or getting ready for an actual baseball game, we always end by saying, Go Cubs! Get grill ready with Walmart. Find all your faves like Oscar Mayer hot dogs, Kraft singles, and Heinz ketchup. Then don't miss your chance to win thousands of hot summer prizes with the Seize the Summer sweeps. There's camping kits, backyard movie packages, gift cards, and more. Summer is what you make it. So get out, get grilling, and get winning with Walmart. No purchase necessary. Legal residents of the 50 United States, including D.C., 18 and older, or 19 for residents of Alabama and Nebraska. Void where prohibited. Promotion ends 731-2020. For official rules and complete details, visit www.seizethesizzle.com. Sponsor Kraft Heinz Foods Company. There's great news during the pandemic. The new Hypermax Oxygen System is here. Doctor-approved, clinically tested, at-home oxygen for improved health, fitness, and especially your immunity. Go to HypermaxOxygen.com. See how 300% more oxygen purity works wonders in only 15 short minutes. You're home anyway, so why not build your immunity and much more? HypermaxOxygen.com. That's HypermaxOxygen.com.